When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, and today's episode has a very special guest. With huge thanks to Shell, I'm going to be having a chat with Ferrari Formula One driver, Charles Leclerc. Now, I've worked with Shell for like the last five years, and sort of every year they seem to step up the ante in terms of awesome things we get to do together. So yes, they've amazingly got me some time to have a chat with Charles for this podcast. Uh, Of course, as you can imagine, doing anything virtually these days is always difficult. Uh, This was a a video conference. The quality is not exceptional. We tried our best, um, but I think uh, still any any chance to have a chat with a Formula One driver, I wouldn't really care if it was through, you know, a, a string what, what, were those, what were those old things called? You know, we had a paper cup and a string and then you could talk. Anyway, uh, so look, uh, I hope you're going to enjoy it. Uh, I found it really interesting. I found it really fascinating. Huge thanks once again to Shell for, for making this all possible. Uh, at the end of the episode, uh, things will just end. Uh, we didn't do a very formal outro. Uh, so make sure to let me know what you think in the comment section below. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe, turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes. I can't promise that they will all have Formula One drivers in them, but who knows. If you're listening, make sure to keep following on whatever platform you're listening to on uh, and you patrons out there we absolutely love you so yeah sit back and relax and hopefully enjoy my chat with formula one driver charles leclerc charles welcome to behind the glass i'm so glad that shell have made this happen uh, thank you for joining me uh, how are you doing uh, yeah. Well, uh, all good. I'm in Russia at the moment, getting ready for this uh, this uh, weekend for for the race. So uh, everything, everything good. Well, look, we're gonna we're gonna get into a lot of F1 chat, but I actually want to start off a little bit on road cars because my entire audience know I'm a Ferrari obsessive. And okay, fine, you are a Scuderia Ferrari driver, but I do think you might also be a bit of a Ferrari mega fan. Is is that right? Is that fair to say? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, who isn't? Uh, I think <laughs> everyone that likes cars likes Ferrari, and uh, it's exactly the same for me. Do you remember where your kind of loving for the Ferrari brand started? Well, driving for of Formula One, I think I, I fell in love first with the with the Formula One brand, and then obviously uh, seen the, the the Ferrari cars in Monaco because there are quite a lot there. So uh, yeah, I could, I could see a bit all of the models, but I think the the first time I fell in love with it, it was in 2003 during the or 2002 during the Monaco um, Monaco Grand Prix, and I can remember watching the red car and obviously uh, dreaming of one day driving it. 
That's exactly it. I, I was going to say, growing up in Monaco, you are literally surrounded by Ferraris because they are every other car. Um, but but I was kind of the same, I think. For me, the Schumacher era, like that was where I kind of fell in love with Ferrari as a team. And then the road cars came a, li- a bit later for me. Um, but do you kind of remember, was there an experience? Did you see, you know, an Enzo drive past you through Casino Square or something like that? Or, or was there a moment with a road car that you went, oh, I, one day I want to own one of those, not only race them on the track? Probably the F12. F12 was like, well, is my dream car. I mean, it's uh, it's an amazing car. I love the sound, and uh, and uh, yeah, the F12 was uh, one of those cars that I that I was just dreaming of uh, having one day. I had a friend in Monaco who had a dark red F12, and I think he'd done some things to it. It was insanely loud, and I think he only ever went around the Fairmont hairpin sideways, which I'm not sure should be advised, um, but it definitely made the car seem quite attractive, I'll say that. Um, and so then, I mean, a, a lot of Formula 1 drivers or racing drivers tend to drive amazing on-track cars before they actually drive great road cars. Um, what was the first road Ferrari that you actually drove? Do you remember? Um, was it when you joined the team, or did you have a, a did you have an experience before you joined the team? I, I didn't have an experience before joining the team. I think it was uh, the A12. Okay. I think the first. Um, the not first not a bad place to start. <laughs> yeah, 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 amazing car. <laughs> Amazing car, amazing car. Well, look, I'm, um, yeah, I'm jealous of that experience, I'm sure. Um, but look, it is Shell that's brought us together, so I have to, to sort of, you know, talk about that side of things as well when it comes to road cars, because being a Schumacher obsessive and that whole era, I was the guy taking my Golf to find V-Power, because I was like, well, if, if Schumi's putting it in his car, then surely I should be putting it in my 1.4 litre Golf. Um, did you have that kind of brand association as well? Did you sort of seek out, are you a saddo like me that seeks out V-Power for whatever car you're in? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's extremely important. At the end, uh, I take care of my cars uh, very, very well because obviously cars, it's my life. Uh, motorsport is my life and uh, I, I want to take care of my cars. And uh, I know what's uh, put in the in the, in the Shelby Power uh, fuel and that's why I use it. Firstly, uh, because it's good for the, uh, how do you say it? Uh, I've lost the word. For the... For the engine? Uh, of the car, but also for the performance. So uh, both things combined makes it uh, an easy choice. For sure. And I, I think that was the thing as well. The working with Shell the last five years, I've learned so much about actually it, it's more than just a little added horsepower here and there. You know, reliability you say is a major thing. Do you see much correlation between the work that you do with Shell on track and with the team and then, you know, the sort of road car fuel? Oh, yeah. 99% of the fuel is exactly the same, which is hugely impressive. Uh, so from a Formula One fuel to a normal road car fuel, uh, 99% of the fuel is exactly the same. Um, so, yes, everything we are developing in Formula One is then brought to the, to the, to the road car industry. Amazing. It's uh, it's always that when I learned that that blew my mind because I always assumed that you'd be putting you know absolute rocket fuel into, into the Formula One cars, but uh, I, it it makes me feel better when I put V power in my car because I'm like oh yes it's basically Formula One fuel. Um, but look, let's let's move on to F1 because as I say that's where I kind of like to nerd out and here on the podcast we do nerd out about F1 every now and again. So 2020 it's been a weird year. Let's just come out and say it. Um, but but what's it been like to kind of you know get back on track, especially after such a long break at the start of the year. Oh, it was good. Uh, good. Um, I miss racing. I mean, at home, I was uh, during lockdown. I was doing quite a lot of simulator 
but it's uh, it's getting close to the real thing, but it's not the real thing, obviously. So uh, to be back on track was amazing. And then we started from doing nothing for like two months or something or three months, and uh, and then going yeah to have like uh, races every every week. So it was uh, pretty uh, pretty intense and pretty difficult physically because normally we are used to drive uh, for like. Uh, very often so for the neck it uh, it was it was pretty difficult but very happy to be back in the car was the sensation of driving a formula one car actually almost refreshed because i guess usually you have quite a small off season right this was uh something that that you know usually you're in the car quite a lot so you had this long period of time when you got in the car for the first time you were like oh my god i forgot how like insane this is yeah 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 it did actually i was uh i was in mujer for the first uh, time after the uh, the the lockdown um, and it was uh, it was pretty special. I mean, for two or three days after that, I felt quite quite bad physically, yeah. uh, a bit well actually, uh, just because by the speed of it. So just to get used to to all of these things, and obviously we started also again in Mugello, which is uh, not the best track to start again with because uh, there are quite a lot. Of G-forces. I was going to say, yeah, that's a pretty hard one on your neck, I think. Um, but, you know, a big thing for, for us viewers or fans, I suppose, is the fact that so far we haven't been able to attend any races. I think on TV, it, it, it's not too bad, but, but you as a driver, I mean, how much do you notice the lack of fans? I guess maybe uh, in Monza and, and the Italy, Italian races, it's a big part of, you know, Ferrari and, and the whole feel. But, but you personally, when you're in the car and you're driving, do you notice the empty stands? Oh, in Monza, I definitely noticed it. I mean, from last year to to this year, uh, it changes a lot. It changed, it changed a lot. Last year was absolutely crazy. Um, this year, unfortunately, there were no fans or, or very few. So, uh, yes, it changes, especially when you're when you are on your way to the track. There's nobody waiting at the at the track for autographs or things like this. So, yeah, it's pretty sad, and it's always nice. Uh, whenever we are doing a cool-down lap in quali to see the people cheering for you in the grandstand. And this year we don't have this. So, uh, yes, we are we are definitely all missing uh, very much the fans. It's super interesting because I've been lucky enough to be in the paddock every now and again, and I'm always amazed by how many times you guys stop and you stop for photos and autographs, you know, in between sessions or whatever it might be. But I always assumed once you got in the car and pulled the visor down, you kind of went into a bit of a tunnel. But uh, interesting that you're still, you know, you're still aware of the fact that, that the fans aren't there. Well, fingers crossed, soon enough, we'll all be able to come and annoy you and, and ask you for autographs in the paddock again. Um, but let, let's, let's bring it back to Shell again quickly for a second. So on a sort of Grand Prix weekend, how, how are you working with, with Shell? Well, after every session, um, I'm going with uh, to speak with my engineer that then makes the connection with the shell engineers um, and I give him my feedback, the, the most precise ones. Uh, and then he goes to the shell engineers and try to um, develop as much as possible to improve um, either short term, so on the weekend, uh, or long term for the development of the of the future cars. But uh, it's always very, very interesting. And also the, there are always shell um, engineers and scientists at the at the track uh, analyzing our oil sample uh, at the end of the at the end of every sessions to try and uh, yeah understand a little bit what we can what we can do better and how to optimize our package. And you know it goes without saying that fuels is an important part of of, of going racing. But how is important to ha- how important is it to have a partner like Shell? Well, it's extremely important, especially. Uh, they've Scuderia Ferrari and Shell have been working together for such a long time. 
that you can you can feel that um, the way they work together is very very impressive. They they don't leave anything unknown. Everything is analyzed. Every little details is tried to uh, yeah it's tried to to be improved and to be maximized. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's very impressive. Now, you mentioned a moment ago, uh, obviously, Monza last year, pr- pretty incredible scenes uh, and an amazing moment, I think, as anyone who's a Ferrari fan, but a fan of the sport, it was, it was a great moment. Um, but I want to know from you, <laughs> Monaco has still been a bit of an elusive uh, Formula One uh, race for you in terms of uh, that, that, that victory. Uh, would you think that would sort of stand out more? Is that more important to you? I mean, it's hard to judge, I guess, every win's a win, but is Monaco one that you really want to get you know, get that win at some point? I would put it on the same level as Monza if, if I uh, ever win in Monaco. I mean, uh, Monaco is my home Grand Prix, so it's very special. But uh, to be honest, last year Monza felt my, like my home Grand Prix uh, by the welcome of the Ferrari fans. Everyone wanted us to win, uh, whether it was me or Seb or Ferrari. Uh, that's what mattered to them. And uh, I, could, I could feel that support in the car and it's exactly the same thing in Monaco. Um, but uh, yeah, in Monaco, it's weird. I mean, these are the streets that I've been taking by bus to go to school. And now I'm racing a Formula One car, which is what I've always dreamed. So uh, yes, to, uh, to win there will, be, uh, will, be, will, will mean a lot to me. Get the victory and head straight to sunset, hey? But um, yeah, I think it would be pretty special. I can definitely see that. Um, well, look, I'm just having a little scroll through here. Um, again, we talked about sim racing, uh, stuff that you did during lockdown. You know, was that a bit of fun or did you actually feel like it sort of helped to, to keep you sort of, you know, dialed in and, and hone your skills? Because I, I will say, Charlotte, I've done a bit of sim racing and based on my abilities uh, on a sim, I should never go near a Formula One car. But um, how, how realistic, how helpful is it? I think it's a bit of both. Actually, I wanted to have some fun. We were with uh, Lando Norris, with uh, George, with Alex. So uh, there were quite a lot of uh, racing drivers and we were all racing each other. So first for competition, for the mentality, uh, this was the same as when when I'm getting in a real car. I wanted to win as much as they wanted to win. So that was good. Uh, But then also uh, it was was quite a good training. I mean, uh, during the whole lockdown uh, to be... Yeah, virtually driving was the closest I could get to do, to uh, to drive the real thing. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was important for me, and I felt it uh, very useful. I did a race with uh, Rosberg and Coulthard at one point, and I think there's something about the fact that maybe when you're not driving on track in real life, you lose the touch because they were disastrous. I mean, the amount of accidents that were caused by those two, I was kind of shocked. I said, okay, clearly, guys, the rust has uh, set it in. Um, but weirdly enough, I said I should never go near an F1 car. So uh, I actually drove a few years ago a 2010 F1 car, um, uh, which was pretty nuts around Paul Ricard. Got about three laps. I think I broke it on the first lap. But anyway, let's, let's move on from that um but the thing that i was kind of amazed by was the brain capacity you know there i was trying to take it all in but i could only just about focus on making sure i didn't bin it into the you know tire barrier or flip upside down do you ever have moments you know around a track where you can relax are you always thinking is there always something to do or down the straights at monzo you're like oh i wonder what did you have for dinner tonight 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Uh, no, I don't think about dinner in the car, but there are definitely moments where I can where I can relax. This is a, a work I've done um, back in 2010, I think, when I was in formula medicine. I, I went there for mental preparation, for physical preparation, but mental preparation was a big thing. And they learn you how to switch off the brain for a very short period of, of time and to... Uh, and to reconcentrate also very quickly because it's extremely important. Um, so yes, I always try to switch off whenever I have a small straight or something because this is something that that helps you in the length of the race because the races are very 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 long. It's very very tiring physically but also mentally. And so uh, anything you can try and and save um, is is very important. Is that can you still use those tactics even around a place like Monaco where it, it looks just as frantic? Do you still have methods and moments where you can kind of find that peace? There are some uh, some places in Monaco, obviously quite a lot uh, fewer compared to Monza, but uh, but uh, yes, there are there are two 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 straights where I I always try to uh, to switch off. I can't, I, uh, as I say, I, I, it does baffle me because on, on my experience, I remember everyone just telling me, you know, keep the revs up, obviously, because I think a lot of normal people like me don't realise how high the revs of a Formula 1 car have to be to keep everything running and going. And I, the only thing someone told me was use the brakes. The brakes the most impressive thing. So I was trying to slam on the brakes to kind of feel them and obviously let the revs drop and I stalled on like turn 10. And I was the only person the whole day that stalled the car and I had to roll back. Oh, it was an embarrassing moment. So let's move on from that. Um, but, but this year, obviously, we just had uh, Mugello recently. Lots of sort of iconic, I guess, historic tracks are kind of coming back to F1 for this season. Let's see if they stick around or not. Um, you know, which ones are you excited about that we still got to go? I think returning to Nürburgring, we've also got Imola. I think that's the one that I'm most excited about. Uh, you know, how about you? A- a- any tracks coming back that you're excited to go and experience? Of the ones I know, probably Imola. 
Uh, but I'm also very excited about Turkey because I, I don't know the track at all and it's a, it's a, it's a new one. Uh, but looking on TV, it looked like a very, very cool track. So, uh, yeah, and I think turn eight, so the triple left-hander, uh, this I'm, I'm really looking forward to try it with this new car. I was going to say, because the G-forces you guys pull around a lot of different tracks is pretty nuts, but around that corner, you would think with the speeds and stuff, how similar do you think it might be? Because what's the turn in Austin, the right-hander, which is a kind of similar concept. Is that pretty brutal for you guys uh, still, or, or that's not too bad? Um, well, it's flat. Uh, in qualifying, it's quite easy flat. On, in the race, though, it's quite tricky sometimes. Uh, but I believe that the ones of Turkey is a bit tighter, so it should be a bit more of a challenge for, for our cars. You're totally right. I think uh, Turkey, I'd, I'd forgotten it's coming back, and that will be pretty epic. But but Imola, there's just something about that track, the history, the, the Formula One history, the, the races that have been there. Uh, I think it'll be very, very cool. So I, I'm excited for you to, to experience that. Uh, and so talking about historic tracks, let's talk about sort of historic F1. I don't know how much of a fan you are of like history of the sport. Obviously, as I say, like I'm a Schumacher nut, so that was kind of my era. But but before that, um, we obviously had amazing cars, amazing teams, amazing drivers. If there was a sort of historic race where all the teams brought back cars from a different era, is there an era for you personally that gets you excited? Are you a turbo guy? You know, do you like the naughty stuff? What car would you love to race in? Um, a difficult question. One of the cars that made me dream when I was younger uh, is probably the uh, the Ferrari of 2004. So uh, this is uh, a pretty special car. And I can remember the sound when I was in Monaco. I was at school and I could hear the free practice on, I think it was on Thursday still. Sure. But uh, yeah, it was very, very special. So uh, probably this one. It's one thing I haven't been able to experience as a fan is Monaco with the V8 or V10 engines. You know, I've only been to the races in the hybrid era. And I always think, what must it have been like, uh, you know, back in the V8, V10s, even V12 days uh, with the car? So you must have had a bit of an experience. It must have been nuts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was absolutely crazy, man. I mean, during the, during the, the classroom, is it how you call it? Yeah, yeah, classroom. Uh, during yeah. lessons at school, you, you just couldn't hear the teacher. There was there was just way too much uh, everything's way, way vibrating much and I mean at that point how do you not want to be an F1 driver at that point surely like you almost did everyone in your class at least go go karting at some point oh loads loads of them um, but uh, but yeah it's a, it's a difficult sport so it's not for everybody but uh, yes uh, loads of them wanted to become a, a Formula One driver surely of course I think that's the thing you just want to at least give it a go um, and then again you know to, to bring it back to, to Shell for two seconds um, you know what kind of improvement can can the fuel and oil that Shell develops kind of bring you when you're on track, you know, that work you mentioned doing with them, like, can you see steps forward over a Grand Prix weekend or between Grand Prix? Do you, do you notice those advancements? Oh, yes, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it was, it, I think it was in 2018 or 2019. I think it was in 2018, but I think 20, like 21% of the performance gained uh, was only thanks to the fuel. So it's a, wow. yeah, it's a huge improvement. Wow. Um, so yeah, you can definitely feel the improvements anytime uh, Shell is working with Ferrari to, to improve the fuel and, and put a new fuel in the car. I think it's, I think, I, I'll be honest, I think that correlates to the road as well. Like I, I, I genuinely, especially in the more high powered stuff, but even on everyday cars, 
putting vpower in if you're then going to go and do something sportyish you do notice a bit of a of an uptake um so yeah it, it kind of makes sense um well we've got this kind of weird thing where obviously a lot of new regulations were due to come in for next year but obviously that's been pushed to 2022 still an exciting thing to look forward to i guess uh for, for the, everyone as the sport but also i guess for you as a driver um is it something that kind of excites you is is this kind of new era of F1 something that excites you or does it daunt you? Do you not want things to change? How, how do you feel about it? Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy. I mean, uh, Formula 1 um, uh, improves and ev- evaluates. Is that, is evolves, that the right word? Evolves? Evolves, yeah, evolves, exactly. Yeah. Evolves. <laughs> uh, evolves every year. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm very happy there's a big step in, in 2022, which uh, should be for the better of the sport, uh, trying uh, to have cars that follows each other a lot better, which is uh, a bit the problem in Formula 1 at the moment for overtaking, because anytime you are behind a Formula 1 car, you are losing a lot of grip, which makes it very difficult to overtake. So uh, this uh, issue should be addressed uh, and... Uh, it will be a big change. So uh, as drivers, it's very exciting because anytime there is change, um, yeah, every driver needs to adapt uh, in the best way possible to that new car. And uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And in terms of the looks, I mean, that's the thing that I think we're going to see from the outsiders fans, you know, that the looks of the car is going to change so much. Does it really matter? Do I always think when cars get launched at the beginning of the season, I think journalists and people always go, oh, what do you think of how, how, how it looks? Do you really care? I mean, if a car was super ugly, but it was three seconds faster than everyone else, you wouldn't really care, would you? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, if the car is ugly, but we are fast, I don't, I don't care at all. So, uh, yeah, well, I mean, if it's beautiful, but normally, normally what happens is that if it's fast, then, then it becomes beautiful. So uh, it should be fine. I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. It'll be interesting to see the different interpretations and how things look. And I think the cars from the sketches and the ideas definitely look like they're going to be futuristic, which I think also helps because, you know, I think that's the important with F1 that it looks like it's, you know, tech and it's pushing forward uh, into the future. Um, now, I know uh, F1 teams start developing cars for the future, you know, quite far in advance sometimes. Um, and so, you know, are you starting to work with Shell on that 2022 stuff? You know, are they holding that back, letting you focus on the current season? I mean, how involved are you... Uh, with working with people like Shell on future projects? Oh, well, we're always looking forward. Uh, I mean, uh, as I said, sometimes we are working short term, but we are they are always working on long term too. So uh, surely, uh, yeah, the 2022 is in is in mind for, for everyone and, uh, and we are all working very hard for it. Do you know, are there key changes for the fuel in 2022 as well? Um. Yes, well, obviously, with uh, sustainability being a bigger part uh, of uh, of today's world, I think there, there's quite a lot of uh, work on on that. And uh, yes, this will be a, a big program for the next few years. Of course, of course. Well, look, the, to sort of round off today, Shell have prepared some quick fire Q&A questions for us. Now, uh, I'm saying Shell because I don't want to be judged on any of them, uh, but I'm also going to kind of participate. So we'll, we'll go through them together and then we can uh, berate each other for our answers. Uh, so yeah, this is supposed to be quick fire. So we'll, we'll kick it off. Number one, uh, naturally aspirated or turbocharged engines? Naturally aspirated. I'm going to have to say naturally aspirated. As great as turbocharge can be on the road, sometimes you get that immediate power. There's not naturally aspirated noise. It's just amazing. Um, manual or automatic? I mean, I'm, I was going to say on the road, but I, of course they were you know, fully manual Formula One cars. So let's just say manual or automatic in general. Uh, 
Manual. Yeah. Manual. I think I would say manual too, but there's also something about huge paddles. Like, you know, you mentioned F12 earlier, pulling one of those big paddles, there's something, some flair in it. So I'll say manual too, because yeah. then we're proper drivers and my audience won't. Automatic with the paddles, but uh, but manual is always nice also to do the heel and toe and all of this. This is very satisfying once you manage to, to make it. You're showing off now, but um, okay, so moving on. Uh, V8 or V12 engine? V12? Yeah. Ah, oh, so I just put out a video yesterday, a friend of mine. I own a 360 Modena, a manual 360 Modena. And he owns, a, I don't even want to say the brand, but it's got a V12 in it. Uh, and it was a comparison. I, I'm a V8 guy because I think it's more barky and shouty and I just, I like it. But okay, I, I get the V12 thing. Okay, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, probably V12 for me. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, let's talk about, I mean, lockdown, it was a lot of Netflix time. So uh, Drive to Survive, or did you, did you see Michael Jordan's The Last Dance? Did you catch that? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I should watch it. Um, but I, I love I love Drive to Survive. Who can't? I mean, it's what what a season. I'm I'm intrigued to see. Uh, I mean, every year I just want to see what what's happened behind the scenes that we don't see on TV. So no, fair enough. Um, uh, iconic Ferrari road cars: the Enzo or the LaFerrari? I will. I will help you. I'm going to say Enzo, just because that was my LaFerrari growing up. So that's my choice. Yeah, so probably the LaFerrari for me is the LaFerrari growing up yeah. <laughs> because uh, uh, probably LaFerrari. LaFerrari. Fair enough. I mean, it's it's a good car. I mean, you can, you're not going wrong with either of those, are you? Um, okay. Next up, uh, fuel scientist or rocket scientist. Fuel scientist. Yeah, I mean, Shell, fuel scientist all the way. Uh, yeah. Running or cycling? Cycling. Oh. Do you go up all the, all the coals and things like that? Do you go up all, around Monaco and do you cycle a lot around there? It's uh, real cycling just because it's dangerous and during the season you don't want to get hurt. So uh, during the off-season I do quite a bit. During the season I, I don't do much, but... Uh, uh, I hate running, even though I do it quite often during the season, but uh, I, I prefer cycling. Fair enough. Yeah, well, no, I, uh, that Route Le, Le Turby is the one that I'm always going up, but in a car and cyclists are quite annoying. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're not there. Um, uh, action movie or comedy? Oh, uh, comedy. Comedy? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. Uh, Spa or Monza? I think I know what you're going to say, but you might surprise me. Monza. Yeah, Monza. I think I think Monza. I mean, if you're wearing Ferrari kit, you got to say Monza, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, day or night racing? Night racing. Do you uh, do you really enjoy? It? Is it does it feel different when you go night racing? Yeah, I mean, if you ever have the chance to, well, surely you drive road cars by night and by day. I'm sure, but. Uh, if you go karting, by example, by night or, or by day, you feel a lot quicker by night. And this is exactly the same in, Formula, in a Formula 1 car. So you already feel fast by day, but for the night racing, especially in Singapore, which is a street track too, is, uh, is very impressive. Sounds awesome. Um, uh, race circuit or street circuit? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would say that too. I've never driven on a street circuit, but I, I would pick street circuit. Um, uh, high speed or slow and technical? 
High speed. High speed, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like slow and technical because high speed scares me. So, so I'm going to go slow and technical even though, yeah, I'm not on track that often. Uh, and then finally, wet or dry racing? Uh, wet. It's I love it. Spices it up, huh? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Unpredictability is always good. Well, that that brings us to the end of our, our quick fire Q&A section. And, and also, I think we'll wrap up our, our time and our chat. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, thanks to Shell for, for bringing us together. But thank you for taking the time. Uh, I wish you good luck this weekend um, uh, and for the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, it's been great to chat and been really, really interesting. So I really appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. Thank you so much, mate. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.